We understand that these mini exhortations, they might be making some of you nervous. Um, maybe not. Because of my background, because of where I come from, they make me nervous. And I, I've given most of them. So um, why? Why would we even bother um, with these little exhortations? Um, and the answer to that is because we love Scripture. We love Scripture. And we want to fight for Scripture. Um, and so when we're talking about these different things, we do so from a conviction about Scripture. We, we, we want to be clear. Um, we understand that there are brothers and sisters who would say the gifts have ceased, or certain gifts, I need to say that more appropriately, certain gifts have ceased. We just want to be clear that that's not our conviction. We don't see that in Scripture. We actually see the opposite. And so we want to be clear um, where we stand in that regard. And so this morning, um, I want to exhort us from Scripture as it relates to the sick as one of the grace gifts, praying for the sick. James 5 says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. At the close of the service this morning, we're going to be inviting those of you who are here this morning and you're ill, you're not well, we would love to pray over you this morning because we believe in the grace gifts and we want to pray. We want to pray in faith. We want to pray that God would have mercy on those who are here and you are ill in body. Now, with that said, let's stand together and let's get to it. <laughs> let's get to worship. Let's get to the singing Amen. Yes. And I want to read from First Chronicles. And I'm going to read and then you'll see on the screen, I want, I want you to read your portion. We'll read that together. First Chronicles 16 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Let's read together. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Church, let's lift our voices and sing to our God. Oh, baby. 
For his throne it shall be 
Son of God, Messiah. made a way beginning and end here with us. Praise be to his holy name. We worship you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. As we get prepared for uh, ourselves to receive our offering this morning. I was just so taken by that. that was some good worship. Thank you, team. Uh, you know, God, He is the Ancient of Days, and before we took our first breath, He knew every beat that our heart would make. We had nothing to do with that. I can't control that. He's the giver of life, and we just get to celebrate that here this morning. So if you'll just join me in prayer. Father God, we just thank you for the privilege of being able to partner with you and each other for the work in ministry. We know that you will bless our efforts and contributions for the proclamation of the gospel and the building up of your church. Father, I pray that you would accept our tithes and offerings today as an act of worship and as an act of faith in the promises that you have given us in your word. 
Lord, we just ask you just to affirm your love, your grace, and provision, provision for each of the givers today. Thank you for giving us a heart for the ministry. And let us continue to give with cheerfulness and fully trust that you will provide everything we need. We are truly grateful to be a part of building your kingdom for your glory. Amen. Amen. And uh, just to share that for some of our visitors that would be here with us this morning, um, we are fully supported by our members of this church, so there is no expectation for you to give. But if you would like to do that, we do have giving boxes at the back, and you can also go online and give through uh, trinityfla.org if you choose to do so. So thank you so much. Uh, Next, uh, I have the distinct privilege of being able to introduce to you, drumroll please. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. No, I'm just kidding. We have uh, Adam and Sarah Milliken. They are the last Friday night. They became the parents of three beautiful, healthy boys. Um, They were born last Friday afternoon. Uh, Alex was three pounds, six ounces. It's about the same average size fish I catch. I mean, some guys throw them back. You know, Tyler, you throw them back. I keep them, man. Uh, Bryant, two pounds, 14 ounces. And Charlie, three pounds, 15 ounces. Uh, Do we have the other picture? There we are. This is a week later. Aren't they amazing? Wow. Mm. Continue to pray for that family and... uh, you know, their work has just begun, right? <laughs> if you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, anyway, uh, that is so cool. Um, next, we do, uh, today, or this is the last call. We really need you to sign up. We're going to be having a work day, Saturday, September 10th, from 8 to 1130. Um, we have jobs for any skill level you might be. So uh, please, please, please participate in that. It's just a great time just to be able to hang out with everybody and uh, just to work together and to accomplish a purpose. I mean, we've been given this great building and, you know, we're kind of the caretakers of it. So we just invite everybody, please come and and join us. It'll be a good time. We would would like to get a head count so that we can have enough food. We will be providing a lunch afterwards and stuff. So um, please, please go online so we can get a head count for that. Um, also, we are going to be needing uh, several six-foot ladders because they're going to be replacing a lot of the ceiling tiles. So we would like to have as many people to be able to help us to get that done as well. And if you have any questions at all, you can get in touch with Rick Packett, Patrick or Jason Miller. I should have reversed those. Jason Miller, then Rick's Patrick. <laughs> Rick's over here shaking his head. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Miller first. Okay. Next, we have Resolved as is our teen student ministry for our middle school and high school students. Um, we would like to invite you. This uh, is, will be today at the Durham's house, and so that'll be starting at three thirty today. So please encourage you to go. They're uh, going through the book of Hebrews right now, and so um, great time. Kids are learning quite a bit. So, and Josiah's a pretty good teacher too. So, yeah, we're. 
blessed to have him to do that. That's right. um, next, just want to uh, encourage you guys to save the date for TCC's children's ministry. There's going to be an equipping and honoring of our teachers, assistant teachers, and volunteers uh, training. It's going to be on Sunday, October 23rd, right after our worship service. And so lunch will be provided as well. So we would really encourage you to sign up for that as well. And I think that's all of our announcements. Um, at this time, oh, we have the uh, mission bulletins that we would like to get in everyone's hands. Um, we have several missionaries in here today. And do you guys appreciate prayer? Right? So these are great prayer points. You can keep it somewhere. You can keep, uh, keep it in your, in your grips. And so uh, thank you, Sandra, for, for doing that for us. She's just served us well in doing that. And so it's very up to date. And so all the needs and everything, all of our missionaries that we support are going through, you'll be able to... Um, know where they're at. So it's good newsletter. Thank you. Um, also, uh, if you have not gotten your elements for uh, taking communion today, they're on the table. So if you can get that at the break. And at this time, we will be dismissing the children. And we'll be back in four minutes to uh, for the reading of God's Word. We'll be in 2 Samuel, if you'd like to be turning there, chapter uh, 2, verse 1 through 4. says you are
church if we could make our way back to our seats again we're going to be reading out of second samuel chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 and if you could please stand with me for the reading of god's word after this david inquired of the lord shall i go up to any of the cities of judah and the lord said to him go up David said, To which shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Anahim of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David brought up his men who were with him, everyone with his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there they announced David king over the house of Judah. When they told David... It was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul. Church, us the word of the Lord. All right. Title. Title this morning is, Here is the King, Sorta. Want to uh, just uh, let you know, yeah, last week, Kim and I had a great time. We were... Uh, with our sister church over in Brandon, and they are uh, currently in search, they're in transition, search for their next pastor, where Loon um, was pastoring and is now teaching in Vietnam, and so please pray for them um, as they're in that transition season. We've agreed to, to try to help fill their pulpit once a month, and so that's that's that. Um, Christian. Christian is in Guatemala this morning, um, and so he had a wedding. I think it was yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah. Um, Tiago 
he got to meet the president of the country, okay? And so, yeah, there's pictures. There's, there's pictures for that. You can see that. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> um, pretty, pretty cool stuff. But yes, we are in 2 Samuel chapter 2. The king has come, sort of. Have you ever been in a position at work, a position of authority, and yet your hands are tied, and you really don't have any authority? Um, it can be an awkward position. Uh, you're not able to do what needs to be done. You're not trusted. Um, you can't be, bring any sort of consequences to those who are under you, your authority. We could say you're in authority, sort of. Or maybe you're watching someone else's kids. And um, they've turned your couch into an indoor trampoline. Um, they have turned your walls into a coloring book. Um, they are unruly. They're not listening to you. If they were your kids, you would bring appropriate discipline. You, 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 you're probably making comments like, this would never happen with my kids because, right? Um, so, but not today. Today it's happening. You are an authority without authority. You are an authority, sort of. That begins to describe a little bit for us where we're at in Samuel. David is king, sort of. And so that's where we're going to launch here in just a moment. Let's pause and pray, and we'll dive right in. Father, we want to submit ourselves to your word. We want to submit ourselves to your rule and your reign. We're not looking for you to be a sort of king in our lives. We want you to be king. And so we submit ourselves before you and before your word this morning. Because you are king. (laughs) Whether we submit to your rule and reign or not, you're still the king. But Lord, it is a joy. We gladly submit. We gladly place ourselves under your authority. Help us to be responsive this morning, even as we hear your word preached, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys here? You with me? We ready? Let's do this. All right, point number one, the king has come. Richard just uh, read these four, um, these four verses, but here's the feel, right? We've, we've been going through all of these, not weeks, but months. The king's coming, the king's coming, the king's coming. And what you just heard that Richard just read is the king is finally, he's arrived, And he's going up, he's going up to Hebron. And it says there in three different times, he asks the Lord, should I go up to Hebron? Should I go up? And the Lord responds, go up. And he asks, where should I go up? And he replies, go up to Hebron. And there's a literal thing happening. Hebron is up. But there's there's more to it than that going on. He's, He's ascending the throne. The king, his, 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 his feet are on the ground. He is, he is fixing to be anointed there in Hebron. He was anointed. If you remember back, 1 Samuel 16, he was anointed by God's man, Samuel. Samuel anointed him more in a private ceremony, if you will. Uh, and it was a statement. 
anointing. It was God's man, Samuel, saying, you are to be God's man, the king in Israel. If you remember, Jonathan spoke of David. Jonathan could have rightly thought of himself as the next one to take the throne, being Saul's son. But Jonathan speaks rightly of David and says, no, the the throne is yours, David. You're to be the king. Abigail, even, the wife of Nabal, who becomes the wife of David, she spoke in words that confirmed, you're the king. Saul himself spoke of David as the future king. David never pronounced his own kingship, but he sure acted kingly, and we've been pointing that out as we've gone through 1 Samuel. So now Saul the king has passed. He is now dead. And all the people proclaimed that David is king. No, that's not what's happening. There is so much uncertainty in these first verses surrounding David's reign. He inquires of the Lord and the Lord says, go to Hebron. And we need to note there... Hebron is Hebron's a place. Things have happened in Hebron a thousand years prior. Hebron's that place where Abram, God made a covenant with Abram. It was at Hebron that God said of Abram, from your line will come kings and nations. We're a thousand years later. Should I go up? Yes, go up to Hebron, that place where God made his covenant with Abraham. So they go, and in verse 4, we see that the men of Judah are anointing him king of Israel. No, he's not anointing him king of Israel. What is it? He's anointing him king of Judah. What does that mean? It means there's 12 tribes in Israel, and one of them is anointing him king. Here's the king. Sort of. So they go, verse 4, the men of Judah, they anoint him king simply over Judah. The other 12 tribes, well, they're not mentioned at this point, and it's, it's to clue us in. Something's not right here. Because only one tribe of 12 is on board with this man's rule. Verse 4 is a cloak way to say to us, you're the king, sort of. And you see, the problem is that we see you as king, those who are gathered in Judah, but the rest of Israel, most of Israel, doesn't. Imagine that vote of confidence on your first day on the job. One in 12 of the tribes. Imagine if we're not the voting sort of of church, but imagine if we were voting on our new pastor and and, and let's let's just... Make it easy math. Let's just say he got 10%. There's your pastor, sort of. It's not a good good picture what's going on in these first four verses. And you begin to to see that. Um, It's not the kingship that we expect, is it? This moment is so completely underwhelming. As far as an anointing of a king goes... Could, could we make it any less 
This is nothing. This is, if you blink, this kingdom is so small, you will have missed it. Did something happen? Someone might ask. Did I heard some things were stirring about over there in Hebron. Did something happen? I missed it. Small and insignificant. And yes, from the line of David, another king will arrive to less than an impressive welcome. The king arrived in Bethlehem and most of the world took no notice of it. Other than a few who gathered there, did I hear something? Did something happen over there in Bethlehem? Most went about their business and ignored him and most continue to ignore King Jesus today. Do you remember how Jesus spoke of his own kingdom? He said in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. That was David. That is his kingdom. This small king and this small kingdom hear me, will have this incredibly far-reaching ramifications. A kingdom is being established, yes, there in Hebron, among, among the tribe of Judah, and it will lead to another small developing kingdom. King Jesus. What did Jesus say when he, when he was here in flesh? He would say, to those gathered around him, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is to say, the kingdom of God is right here. The kingdom of God is standing in front of you. And all the people gasped and said, wow, awesome. No. If we were looking in on that scene, we could probably say the king is here, sort of. Now, there was no gasping. Christ's kingdom, mustard seed small, easy to miss, easy to ignore, and yet growing. Cannot be stopped. You know, there's something that's being initiated there in Hebron that cannot be stopped. Small, insignificant, mustard seed-like. This is going to be the king of Israel because God said, this will be the king of Israel. There's no stopping what's happening in Israel. David will be king because God is sovereign. And that is the man of God that God will have to be king and Jesus will be king. And there's no stopping the advancement of the global rule and reign of Jesus. You're here today. If you are a follower of Christ, you came today to worship King Jesus. You did so because of the global rule and reign of Jesus. Because in mustard seed form, this is happening, these first four verses. You're here today. That's the kingdom of God. 
That's the rule and reign of our God and Savior. You're here today, a worshiper of God, because God's kingdom advances. And it has spread, and it will spread around the globe. And literally, it spread, we could say, into your living room. It spread. It spread into, for some of you, your prison cell. It spread into your family. Praise be to God. The mustard seed is no seed no more. It's a glorious tree. And it's unstoppable in its advancement. Doesn't matter. You might be here this morning and you say, I will ignore him. He'll be the king, sort of, to me. I, you might even be here and say, I will reject him. Listen, need to say, it doesn't matter how you respond to him. You, your response doesn't make or break his kingdom, his rule and reign. He's the king, regardless of our response. But we do get to respond. Praise be to our king. He's the king. And there's no sorta about it. Secondly, the king's invitation is extended to enemies. Let's pick up there in the middle of verse 4. And an interesting thing happens. When they told David it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul, David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them may you be blessed by the Lord because you showed this loyalty to Saul your Lord and buried him these are beautiful verses now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you and I will do good to you because you have done this thing now therefore let your hands be strong and be valiant for Saul your Lord is dead and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. Okay, do you, do you remember Jabesh Gilead? These, these guys, Josiah preached about them a few weeks ago at the end of 1 Samuel. It was the Jabesh Gilead guys who came in, and it's being repeated here, when Saul had died in the battlefield, right? These guys, valiant guys, risk their lives, guys, to go get the body to honor the king. Okay, well, that's kind of cool, but, but understand what David's doing here. He's extending an invitation. These are his enemies. Think about who these guys are. These guys are loyal to the man who just in the past 10 plus years has been hunting you down. Those guys who rescue the, the, the slain body to honor the king, those guys. These are enemies. These are radical enemies. And I just love Old Testament gospel. These guys who are massively loyal to King Saul, well, what this is, now therefore let your hands be strong and be valiant for Saul your Lord is dead and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. It's an invitation to these guys, to the enemies, to the ones that uh, you would probably initially think those guys will transfer. They'll, they'll take that loyalty they have to Saul and continue the hunt. 
now as king, granted of just one tribe, but as king of that tribe, he's offering his enemies mercy and grace. And it's so beautiful how it's spoken. Verse uh, five, may you be blessed by the Lord because you showed this loyalty to Saul, your Lord, and buried him. Now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. You gotta understand, that's not what a king would do. These guys are a threat to his kingdom. What would a king do? You annihilate those guys. You annihilate the threat. That's exactly what kings did or would do. Not here. The invitation goes out. And as the invitation goes out, we need to think gospel. Think gospel with me. Because, church, we are those guys. Before you came to Christ, you held loyalty to another king. False kings. We held loyalty to the king of, well, maybe to the king of drug, maybe to the king of illicit relationship, maybe to the king. Maybe you made your spouse king. Maybe you've made government king. We've been talking about this since the start of 1 Samuel because it's about kings. And they're saying um, at the early part of Samuel, oh, give us a king. Remember? Samuel just almost loses his mind over what's taking place. And God's saying, it's okay. They reject me, not you. Because the king was already right in front of them. And they're saying, not good enough. We want to be like the other nations. And we recounted how often we create kings in our own lives when we come to Christ and, 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 and we turn away from the kings of this world and we turn over to the king. Here's what's amazing. The reason you turn to the king who is the king of all kings, King Jesus, is because he extended an invitation to his enemy. It's amazing to see how David treats his enemies here. Instead of annihilating them, perhaps we could say as they deserved, he extends grace. It's more than a subtle nod to the coming kingdom of Christ who will come through the line of David. Christ came to his enemies and extended an invitation. And so we praise him because your king that you once served, well, that king is dead. Those false things that you held up as king, they're empty, they're dead. You once honored them. You once held them dear, but no longer. And Christ says to us, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest it's a beautiful Old Testament picture of the coming kingdom of grace. Your king is dead, but come to me. I'll be your king. You who once were loyal to my enemy, come to me. I'll extend grace to you. May the Lord be faithful, steadfast in his faithfulness to you, my enemies. Grace, grace, grace. Thirdly, surprise, there's another king in Israel. Now we go from verse 7 to 8. 8 begins, but Abner. It's 
pick it up at the end of verse 7. And the house of Judah has anointed me king over them, but Abner. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. And he made him king over Gilead and the Asherites and Jezreel and Ephraim and Benjamin and all Israel. All Israel. Oh boy. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel. And he reigned two years, but the house of Judah followed David in the time of David was king. In the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah, Judah was seven years, six months. So seven years, six months, he's the king, sort of. King of one tribe out of 12. And we see here, surprise, there's another king. We need to not move too fast when we're reading through Scripture. And we need to recognize there's some things that Scripture is showing us here. There is amazing tension in these chapters. A new king, David, is being anointed by one tribe out of 12. But Abner is stirring up this great division. There is civil war coming. Another king. And so whose side are you on? Are you on the side of the the little guy? He's got one tribe. We've known him since he was the shepherd boy. He doesn't even make it to the party with all the other brothers. Samuel says, do you have another son to Jesse? Yeah, that, that, that little boy who's out there in the fields. Well, bring him to me. He's to be the king. Okay, that one. That, he's, he's now got one tribe. Now, you've got the other 11. And you've got, with the 11, there's relatives to Saul here. That was pointed out in the text. So whose side are you on? Or we would think of it like, are you fighting with Lincoln in the north? Or are you with Lee in the south? And as you know, in our country, families were on the other end of the sword, fighting against each other. And we see that right here in the text. As Abner stirs up a civil war, if you will. So whose side are you on? Which king will you align yourself with or under? Will you go with God's anointed king? I don't know. He looks weak. It doesn't look good. If you align yourself with the, with the weak guy, you could, you could be killed. That's where we're headed. Or we go with Abner and Ishbosheth and the power that they have with 11 tribes behind them. Think of it from David's perspective. This is not the best first day on the job. One tribe, yay. <laughs> You're the king, ah, but 11 others stand in opposition. Abner recruits Ishbosheth because he has familial attachments and thus throne rights from Saul. But Ishbosheth, he's just a puppet to Abner. Abner's the one. Abner creates a puppet king who he he can hold the puppet strings. And it's kind of amazing, isn't it? Abner, 
I want to say to Abner, why not just go with David? Why, why, why do this? Why not just go with God's anointed man? Well, the reason is because Abner wants control. He wants the control. He wants to be the one. He doesn't want God's man. He doesn't want to be ruled. He wants to rule. Abner is a lot like our culture in our day. Why not go with King Jesus? Well, our world would scurry to to go with any other thing, right? Any other king. I will take any other religion. Not me, just saying how culture thinks. I'll take any other religion. I'll, I'll embrace all other religions, right? In the name of tolerance, I'll tolerate all religions except one. King Jesus. It'll take any other system of worship except Jesus. Because if you think about it, all religions allow you to ultimately, you get to be the one to hold the puppet strings. You're the one in control. You don't have to submit to your God. You create the religion that you like best the, way, the, the one that fits you best, the one, the one that you want it to be. Even the atheist likes the puppet strings who says there is no God, which is to say, I want control. I don't want there to be a God. I want to hold the strings of my own life. This is what in other religions, your works, your righteousness, you define how good you need to be in your religion. And the fact is, if you are honest, you're not all that good. But it doesn't matter because you hold the strings. You're good enough is the wisdom of this world. And so you extend yourself grace because you're good enough. I know I've got some issues here, there, and everybody's got some issues. But you extend yourself grace because you hold the puppet strings. You've created your own religion. And ultimately, you are your own king. But Jesus, why not? Why not, Abner? Why not just go with God's anointed man? And you may be here this morning. Why not? Why not go with King Jesus? Well, because I like the strings. If Jesus is king, which he is, even the world knows that that makes a demand on our lives. I will need to submit to his rule. I have to let go of the puppet strings. Because God will not be your puppet. God will gladly be your God, but he will not be your puppet. So Abner takes Ishbosheth and he says, You're the king in an effort to create his own kingdom and reject God's plan and reject God's man. Here, let's make a king. Fourthly, the already king, but not yet king. Let's pick up there in verse number 12. Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from uh, Mahanaim, don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, to Gibeon, and Joab, the son of 
Uiah and the servants of David went out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down, the one on the one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. And Abner said to Joab, let the young men arise and compete before us. Now, you need to know that this is thought of uh, in the the words that are being used here. This was more sport than war at this point. So let's kind of let's kind of sport it out. Let's have a competition, and whoever wins, all right, that will be the rule and the reign. And so that's where things begin. They escalate really quickly. So let the men arise and compete before us. Joab said, "Let them arise." Then they arose and passed over by number twelve for Benjamin and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and the twelve of the servants of David. And each caught his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in the opponent's side. So they, all, so they fell down together. Therefore, that place was called Helketh Hazarim, which is at Gibeon. And the battle was very fierce that day. And Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. All right, so what begins as this competitive sport-like battle um, quickly just ends in utter death. And it also reads with a sense of Abner probably is, should win with his 12 guys. And that makes sense, right? He's got 12 guys. He gets, he gets 11 tribes to pull from. Give me your best, right? And Judah just has the one tribe. This is where you could say, well, a tie was a win for David. And 24 men lie dead. And... Yeah, it's a, it's a win for the small kingdom guy. Hear me. In following the king, he's the king. He's the already king. The victory has been won. We sang about it this morning. Did you hear it? We were singing about our victory in Christ. Christ has won. The enemy has been defeated. The enemy was defeated by the small kingdom guy. But here's the thing with the already and not yet. David is the king, and yet his rule only extends over one tribe. And Christ has won the victory, and yet there's still opposition, and we war against every uh, we war against that opposition every day of our lives. We war against our flesh. We war against the enemy who is Satan. We war that we, we might wonder why are we still at war when the Christ is the king and we have victory and today doesn't feel like victory. Let's see already and not yet. Christ has won the victory and yet there's still opposition coming against us. It's not yet. You can know something, David. You will be king because God said you will be king. And friends, you can know something. Your victory is absolutely secured in Christ because Christ said it would be secure It has been purchased for you by nothing less than the blood of Christ. In a few moments, we'll be receiving communion. So consider just his victory won by his blood. 1 Peter 1 says it like this. It's just beautiful praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hear this, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That's the not yet. You, there is victory today in Christ, absolutely. And we wait for ultimate victory in Christ. And it, First Peter is telling us that has been secured. It is guarded for you. Well, a chase ensues after these 24 men lie, lie dead. Verse number 18. And the three sons of Zariah, Zer, I can't say it, were there. Joab, Abishai, and As- Asahel. Now Asahel was as swift of foot as a wild gazelle. And Asahel pursued Abner. And as he went, he turned neither to the right hand nor to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Is it you, Asahel? And he answered, It is I. Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left and seize one of the young men and take his spoil. But Asahel would not turn aside from following him. And Abner said again to Asahel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I lift up my face to your brother Joab? Civil war. Other guy on the other side of the story. These guys know each other by name. How then could I lift to your brother Joab? But he refused to turn aside. Therefore Abner struck him in the stomach with the butt of his spear so that the spear came out of his back and he fell there and he died where he was. And all who came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died stood still. Ooh. In the already kingdom of God. Hear me. We need to know that sometimes the wrong guy wins. There's a lot of victory in Jesus, Christianity. There should be. There should be. But if we don't understand the already and the not yet picture... We mistake things, and the result, seen it many times, can be life and faith rattling. Sometimes the wrong guy wins. Sometimes, well, can you imagine? We have brothers and sisters that we've never met and don't know who are in Ukraine, the church. And in some of those cities, they've been annihilated. Sometimes the wrong guy wins. Sometimes there's untimely death. Sometimes there's pain and suffering and hurt. And we might think, I thought Jesus was the king. He's the king. He's already king. And he's not yet king. His full reign, his full breath of his victory is coming in this fallen world the effects of sin still spill
spill into all of our lives. I read these verses and I want to say, I don't understand. Not the good guy. It's like you almost know the story's going to turn out and Abner's the one who's going to fall. But the good guy serving the good king is the one who falls. And I'm saying to us this morning, we need to know it, that living for Jesus the king includes losses. And we shouldn't expect that every moment of our lives in this fallen world to be victory. It's called the not yet. The already is yes, we have victory in Christ Jesus, absolutely. And we should sing about it, and we should celebrate that truth. But the not yet tells us that the ultimate victory in Christ is yet to come. But friends, it's coming. It's been secured for us, undefiled, unfading, guarded. There are losses in this life, but victory is absolutely Sure. Well, we'll leave you to the rest of that chapter. I want to jump down. I'll just summarize it. A truce is called in verse 27. Uh, The king is coming to Israel. In church, the king has come and he is coming. King Jesus. And there is no sorta about it. Luke 1 says of Jesus, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. The king came and he was born in that manger in Bethlehem and immediately there was opposition, right? And so Herod realizes that this baby Heard about this baby, that's a threat to his throne, and so he sought to have him killed and put an end to the reign. Well, Christ grew and he lived a life not of royalty, but of poverty. And his followers were this rogue band of disciples. And then at the end of his life, he's brought before Pilate. And Pilate asks him, he's being interviewed by Pilate, Are you the king of the Jews? And it closes, you may know it well, in John 19, verse 14. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. This is Pilate said to the Jews, behold your king. And they cried, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. And they rejected the king. And he's still being rejected today. Hear me. Again, his rule and his reign are not determined by your acceptance of it. It just is. He is the king. I want to invite the worship team if you would join me. The king died to bring you an offer, to extend to you an invitation an invitation of grace and forgiveness to extend to you. Uh, Jesus saying to the Father, oh, be kind to these, my enemies. Show them your steadfast faithfulness. And the Lord has done just that. What an offer of grace. 
when you repented of your sins and Christ saved you from your sins to bring you into, to bring you out of one kingdom and bring you into another kingdom. This is glorious Old Testament gospel. What do we do with this glory? Well, three things quickly. One, this is something we need to know. What do we need to know? You will have opposition in this life, but Matthew 16, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Mustard seed, tree. Opposition will come. Opposition will not get the ultimate victory. The kingdom of God will continue to expand in our day. So know this. Secondly, do this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. So in the midst of the loss, don't be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. I love that. Yep, enough, enough will take place tomorrow. Sufficient for the day of its, is its own trouble. So know this, do this, and proclaim this. Matthew 28, and Jesus said, came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth. What is that? That's king speak. All authority, heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you would take a hold of your communion elements. We'll start next week, obviously, in chapter 3, verse number 1. But I want to read it to you now because it's a good summary of everything that we just said. But it's also a good introduction next week. Hear hear this verse. Verse 1, chapter 3. There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David grew stronger and stronger, mustard seed, kingdom of God, while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. We want to close our time of preaching the word by celebrating body and blood of Christ. We say it often, what we do at this point when we receive communion, is no religious tokeny thing. This is holy worship. We're instructed to remember what Christ has accomplished through his body and blood. And so if you would hold, this represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. It represents victory. Already and not yet victory has been won and secured for you through the body of Christ. Let's take it together. And this represents the blood of Christ that was spilled, that was poured out. If you're here this morning and you say, I'm a worshiper, I'm a follower of King Jesus, Well, here's why. Because his blood was spilled for your sins. So glory be to God. 
as you receive this cup. In your heart, if you so choose, out loud, glory be to God for what this cup represents. Not simply an insignificant cup. It represents your salvation today. Praise Him. Let's take the cup together. So Lord, let's stand together. Lord, thank you for what you've accomplished on our behalf. We close our time together by lifting up our voices to our King, King Jesus, and his already and not yet reign that has been secured for us. Lord, to all, all the praise belongs to you, our King. Let's sing, church.
tech team some days it's so hard it's so hard listen I'm gonna turn it into how we're gonna close because some of you know the words to the song some of you have never heard the song some of you just kind of know kind of the melody a little bit it's just too good so I'm gonna read it to us in the darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt to reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost to redeem the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you died and the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath, till that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom, I am free. For the love of Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, who has rescued, resurrected me. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three in one. God of glory. Majesty. Praise forever to the King of kings. Father, we praise you. Father, Son, Spirit, we praise you. Your king, your, your rule, your reign, your kingdom, it's eternal. Lord, and stunned as we are, amazing as it is, that when you extended that grace invitation to your enemies, to some of us who are gathered here this morning, we responded to that grace. And we now know you and live for you. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Amen. If you
you're here this morning, actually, if I can invite our elders and their wives, if you would come forward, and also our community group leaders and wives, if you would come forward. We're dismissing, but if you're here this morning and you would like prayer, we would like to anoint you with oil. We would like to pray over you. So please make your way to the front and let's do so. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.